Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to a one-time message, which I titled, Why Israel Matters. And I was just watching what's been happening in the news with Israel and with the Palestinians and just watching all that. And it brought back some memories. Before I met Jesus, all that was going on in the Middle East. Since I can remember, uh, I go back, I remember Jimmy Carter was president and Ronald Reagan, and all of them tried to make peace in the Middle East. And then through my entire lifetime, they're trying to make peace in the Middle East. And, and back before I met Jesus, I didn't know why they couldn't make peace. I didn't understand who Israel was. And my mom's an immigrant from Southern Italy, my dad, his parents are immigrants from Southern Italy. So back then, before I knew Jesus, and I'm just being honest, I sided with uh, the Palestinians. You know, it's like I didn't know a Jewish person. I didn't understand Israel. And then I met Christ, and I still didn't understand why Israel mattered. And it took me a couple years. And I remember in Bible school, I heard some Bible teaching on it, and I was shocked. I had to repent and say, God, I didn't know any of that. And there might be some of you listening, you're right where I was back then, and that's just where we were at, right? And we need somebody to teach us why Israel matters. So I want you to know up front, I am not saying Israel's perfect. I'm not saying everything they do is perfect. And I'm not coming against the Palestinian people. There's extremes in every people group, right? So there's some extremes, Hamas, and they don't like any of us, and uh, they don't like Israel. So there's always extremes stirring everything up. But what we're going to discover is this is a spiritual battle. It's really deeply rooted, and it's spiritual. And there's a fight going on because God made a promise. So we'll talk about that, and I'll do my best to help us understand that. But I also think it's really important uh, for us as Christians, when we understand this, to realize God loves the Palestinians. He loves Islamic people, and he wants to see them come to Christ and I have a friend who's a Palestinian pastor. So he, he pastors in Palestine. And I was having coffee with him a while back. And he was telling me how many people are turning to Christ in Palestine. And it's happening all over the Islamic uh, countries. And it's amazing. Uh, Iran has a revival of Christ. They, they have to be underground or they'll be thrown into prison. But they have a revival going on. And, and then I think of China and their government, you know, seems... They want to take over the world. But the Chinese people are beautiful people. 95% of them have nothing to do with their government. And uh, there's a revival going on in China. Jesus is just doing some amazing things. So as Christians, we want to realize that while all that conflict's going on, God's heart is to save as many of these dear people as he possibly can. And I want to read a couple verses to help us remember that and understand it. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus speaking. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. Now, the gospel of the kingdom is this. Jesus, the eternal king who always existed, he was king before he came to earth. He came to earth, took on a human body. He died for our sins. God raised him from the grave. He's alive. Whoever accepts him as savior becomes a child of God. And one day he'll come back and literally set his kingdom up. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It says must be preached in the whole world as a testimony. And take a look at this to all the nations. So God wants us to preach it in Palestine, in the Arab countries, in every country, in all the world. And that's why we love missions so much and missions work. 
and, and then it goes on to say, in the end, then the end will come. And we're gonna see other scriptures that talk about this ending. And it's referring to the end of the church age. It's referring to the next phase and the seven-year tribulation period. And God right now wants us to share Jesus with as many people as we can while understanding and respecting what he's done with Israel. And there's a future scene in the book of Revelations. It's really cool. So this hasn't happened yet. I believe we'll be there during this time. We'll see it live. But take a look at Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I looked up, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Listen to this, guys. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. This is going to be awesome. Standing before the throne, that's God the Father, and before the Lamb, that's Jesus who died for us. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they're worshiping God. And I love this future scene because God lets us know, I'm gonna save people from every nation. And millions are being born again in China. It's just amazing. Uh, Christianity is exploding. In the Islamic countries, millions are coming to Christ and God is doing a work in the earth. And someday we'll be in heaven and we're gonna see people of every nationality, every tribe, every people group, and we're all gonna worship God together. I don't know about you, but that's gonna be a fun time for all of us. So when we look at these other nations, even though we know there's some leaders that are bad apples, we wanna keep understanding where to love these people, and we're praying for them to come to know Jesus as their Savior. So I have a big idea for this lesson. This is what I want all of us to walk out, understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this, guys. God made a promise to Israel that is now coming to pass. And I like to say it like this. We are in between two covenants that God made. And one is Israel, and they're God's timepiece. And God's already started to work there. We'll see that. But then we're in the church age. That's us right here. And we're overlapping because God's getting ready for one to end and one to come to pass. And it's just in my opinion, the most exciting time to ever live. I, I used to think, man, I wish I was there when Jesus walked the earth, but you and I are so honored. We're living in a time, guys, that is the most special time. Prophecies are happening. You're gonna see that. And it's coming close to where Jesus will return, and it's an amazing thing. I don't know when, but he will. And it all goes back to a covenant, God's covenant with Abraham. And this, this is an amazing covenant that God made. And Abraham's name was Abram when God introduced himself to him. So God introduced himself to a man. This man was a non-believer, probably worshiped some idols, and God pulled him out of a crowd, and he created the nation of Israel with this guy. He made a covenant, a promise with him. And I want to show you where it all begins. This is Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, and as an Italian, and you may feel this way, why couldn't he say this to Abraham, he, uh, you know, some Italian guy, right? But he, he, picked, he picked Abram, right? Uh, go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So he leaves. He goes to what we call the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And then God says this in verse two. I will make you into a great nation. And he, he created the nation of Israel out of this, this man, and there was a time, we'll see the borderlines in a little bit, uh, when King David was king, King Solomon was king. They were like the Roman Empire. Before the Roman Empire, they controlled the known world. They, they became a very great nation. And it goes on to say, and I will bless you, 
and make your name great. So he says, Abraham, I'm gonna make your name great. And I got to thinking about this. Here we are in Northeast Ohio. Guys, we're in the Mahoning Valley, right? And who are we talking about? Abram, Abraham. So God did make his name great. And people talk about him, synagogues, churches all, all the time, every day, all over the world. He says, I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the ones who curse you, I will curse. So majority of all Bible scholars, majority of all Christian historians, when I say majority, I don't mean 51%. It's like way over 90%. They believe that the reason our country is so blessed and so great with all of our faults is because we've always protected and helped Israel. And that's what this is saying. If someone helps you, I'll bless them. And so I, I always pray when we have a new president, Lord, may they treat Israel correctly because I understand this promise, right? But then listen to the last promise. We're living it right now. Every one of us are living it. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We call him not only the father of Israel, he's the father of faith. And Jesus came through the Jews, and that's what this verse is referring to. God said, I am going to bless the whole world. And the world's been blessed because Jesus came and you and I came into the kingdom and we've been made part of that covenant with God. It's an amazing thing. So there's the promise, I'll make you a great nation. And then he finishes it out in chapter 15. Listen to verse 18. <clears throat> On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I have given this land. So he's standing in the promised land. He went where God told him to go. From the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So now he's giving him the boundaries of the land that he was going to give him. Verse 19 through 21, the land of the Kenite. And I, I read this in my office and I get every name perfect. But then when I stand in front of people, I call them the parasites. And so <laughs> you see all the names, right? <clears throat> this is the boundaries that the Bible said would be Israel. So understand, they don't, they're not a nation. He's making them a nation. And he said, I'll, I'll give you the land. So I, I have a picture of the modern day Middle East. Of course, this was before these countries were there. But I wanted you to see it. We're going to see a picture. You're going to see a red borderline. That's where all the ites lived. And that's the original land that God gave to them. And we're going to see Israel in this picture is just a tiny little, right in the middle, there's a nation colored brown. That's modern day Israel. So take, take a look at this picture. And, and notice how it covers part of Egypt, uh, part of Saudi Arabia, part of Iraq, all of Jordan, part of Lebanon. And this is the original borderline. So under King David, under King Solomon, they occupied all this land. And we see that God made them a promise and so here's what I came to understand. And when I saw this, it made sense of the Middle East, right? My whole life, since I was 16, I remember no peace, conflict, conflict, conflict. And, and to this day, conflict, conflict, conflict. And then I saw it. This is a spiritual battle. And you know how we know we have an enemy, the devil, and he has these little imps. And they're able to put thoughts in our head. We call that temptation. They try to tempt us to sin and walk away from God. And they're, they're doing that with nations and leaders of nations, trying to get them to destroy Israel. And here's why. Our enemy feels, if I can cause this promise not to come to pass, I win. 
and he just wants to win. He wants to sit on God's throne. Personally, I feel he's mistaken because if he could do that and he never will, I think the universe would unravel, right? If God weren't God, but that's what he's trying to do. And he's stirring fringes up, fringe people, not whole people groups to come against Israel. And that's why you and I see the conflict that we see. And peace will come. I'll show you before we close when that peace will come. It's not a true peace, but it is going to come in the future. And that's why we see the conflict that we see. There's a spiritual battle going on and the enemy doesn't want the Jews to exist. That's why in Germany, six million of them were killed. That's why Russia, Russia hates Israel and they're trying to destroy Israel. They're behind a lot of the attacks that are going on right now with Hamas. And they don't even know it. It's just all spiritually being driven, right? So I remember when I first learned this, I was in Bible school and I heard some great teaching on it. And then I had to deal with this. And maybe some of you are, this is why I'm sharing it. The thought came to me, you know, Lord, you own a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm just quoting scripture now. Uh, the earth is yours and everything in it. It's your footstool. So you're God, you can do whatever you want. But I had this thought, was it just to kick these nations out? Not the ones that are there today, but all the ites. Was it just to kick them out? And then as I study the Bible, the Bible says things like this, and I'm just quoting other verses, that the sin was so bad in these nations that the stench of it went all the way to the throne of God. And God said the land was going to spill them out just because of their sin. Then when you study, they were having relationships with animals, STDs, like terrible ones were running crazy. Uh, They were worshiping idols and they would throw their kids into fire to sacrifice them to idols. And as a parent and a grandparent, I think you can all agree, I can't imagine that. That has to be some deception, right, to do that. And so God had a legal right because of that. And I want to read a verse to you. Uh, Deuteronomy 9.5 reads this way. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity, Israel, that you're going to take possession of their land. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. And listen to this to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over and over in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So Abraham was Abram. God made the covenant. I'm going to give you this land. And Isaac was his son, and God confirmed it in Isaac. Jacob was his grandson. He confirmed it in Jacob. And then he literally changed Jacob's name to Israel. So we're looking modern day at something that happened thousands and thousands of years ago, And God made a promise to Israel that we're literally watching it come to pass. It's kind of like all the Bible prophecies about Jesus coming the first time. These now, we're living, guys, it was almost like in the time of Jesus when he was born. We're now living in the time of the end where we're watching Bible prophecies come to pass. And it is an exciting time. If you understand it, it's it, there's a lot of turmoil, but it's an exciting time to be alive. And we're blessed. God thought you were so awesome and that you were able to share the gospel here in the last days that he chose you to live during this time. And you have a purpose. But here's something we want to understand too. God warned Israel that they would be taken from their land by other nations if they stopped following him. So I read through the Bible in a year and I'm, I'm in Job now. I read Job 9, 10, and 11 today. But before Job, you read all those books of the Bible where Israel disobeyed God and then 
the Babylonians came in, conquered Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and then they take them captive, and then God brings them back. And that happened over and over. And in Bible days, Rome had conquered them, and they're subject to Rome. And Jesus said something about Israel and the Jewish people when he was here, and it's called the Great Dispersion, just being dispersed all over the world. It's the final time that they would be taken from their land. And, and notice Luke 21, verse 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all nations. This happened in 70 AD. The Romans had enough of the Jewish people. They came in, destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. Uh, they tore it all apart. And, and notice what they did with the Jews. They dispersed them and took them captive all over the world. That's why they were in uh, Europe when Germany was in existence in World War II. That's why they were all over the world. That's why they came to America. They were dispersed. They lost their land. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. Gentiles in the Bible means non-Jews. So all of us that aren't Jewish, were Gentiles, right? And that means that the non-Jews would control the land. And then notice this, this is really powerful until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So there's a time for us, and then Jesus will begin to deal with Israel. Remember how I said overlapping? So the two, the two covenants, the Christian covenant through Jesus and the Jewish promise and covenant to Abraham for, for Israel were overlapping. And God's getting ready to end our time, right? And he's getting ready to do what he promised to do with them. And we're Right in the middle, God's doing a little bit with us, doing a little bit with them, and shh, very, very exciting time. So, guys, it's an amazing thing. Israel became a nation in 1948, and before then they weren't a nation. But after World War II, um, our president, the United, United Nations, they decided, you know what, let's make Israel a nation again. And the Jews had their nation back. And they began, began to come from all over the world, and then in 1967, there was the Six-Day War, and you can read it, it's history, and three Arab nations came against Israel. Their intent was, we're going to destroy them. We're going to wipe them off the planet, because now they're a nation, and they're upset with what the United Nations did. And the war lasted six days. Israel should have been defeated, uh, because they were, they, they just, there's no way they could fight and beat these three armies. Today, Israel's Air Force is considered the second best and most powerful Air Force to the United States in the world. But back then in 67, they did not have a great Air Force, and they should have never won. But biblical things happen. The enemies that came after them, their tanks stopped working, and it's just cool to read. God literally fought in their behalf, and it was during that six-day war that Israel literally took Jerusalem back. They didn't have it when they, when they were originally formed. And so then they have Jerusalem. And that's really when God fulfilled that prophecy of bringing them back into the land. And so I remember the last time I was there a decade or so ago, uh, the, when the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, all these Russian Jews and Eastern European Jews who were all oppressed by the Soviet Union, uh, they began to flood Israel. And I remember meeting some of them. They were so poor and they're flooding in. And they began to come from everywhere. And then something happened in 1991. It's fascinating. Uh, they found what they called the lost tribe of Israel in Ethiopia. These are Ethiopian Jews. And nobody found them until 1991 because they lived up in this big hill 
secluded. And when they found them, they literally were following the law of Moses and speaking perfect Hebrew. And when Israel found out in 1991, they had what was called Operation uh, Solomon, and, and they sent all these planes. Over 14,000 of them existed. They brought every one of them back to Israel. And man, when I saw that happen, I'm like, whoa, we're getting close. They're coming from everywhere. And this last tribe came in. Here's a picture of some of the Ethiopians uh, coming to Israel in 1991. You see, just notice the smiles on their face. It's absolutely amazing how excited they were. And the two times that I went, and I'm looking forward to going again, we had to cancel this year because of turmoil, but we're looking for next fall again to go and just praying that there'll be a window we can actually go. But every time I've been there, I've seen this picture. This is an Ethiopian uh, Jewish soldier, but he's part of that lost tribe. And I went up to talk to some of them. They speak really great English too, and Hebrew. And they're so just the sweetest people you ever meet. They're so happy to be back in Israel where where they belong. And there's just different thoughts of where they came from. Uh, Most people believe Solomon had a relationship with the queen of Ethiopia, and that's where this tribe came from. We're not 100% sure, but God is bringing all of them back. And it's really, really an exciting time for you and I to be living. So Jesus said it would happen. And he said, when they're dispersed, and then the time of the Gentiles end, he says, they'll be brought back, and it will be the last time. It's the last time they'll ever be ripped from their land. So I believe that will never happen again. And listen to what Amos says, chapter 9, verse 14. I will restore my people Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink the wine from them. They will plant gardens and eat their fruit. And so he brought them back. And we're going to read the next verse is what we're really after. But I want to say this. It's amazing. I've always been a science buff. And back in the 80s and 90s, I had three science magazines back when magazines were popular, delivered in my house every month. And I remember reading an article, I don't know, 20 years ago, and it was about Israel. And their scientists found a way to literally grow plants and produce without any soil. Now we do it here. Most of the organic food we buy, it's, it, they're, they're using Israel's techniques uh, in their greenhouses, and that's how we have our organic food, not even using soil. But Israel learned how to have all this produce. And do you know that they, they supply most of Europe today? They supply most of Europe with produce. That's amazing. Out of a desert. But that's what God said would happen. And then listen to the next verse, verse 15. I will plant the people of Israel in their land and they won't be uprooted again from the land that I gave them, says the Lord your God. And we're living in that time. And so when I look at the Middle East, I think spiritual warfare. I think the enemy doesn't want what God promised to come to pass. Israel's not perfect. Every move they make is not perfect. Uh, Not everyone in Israel is following God, but it's a covenant. And God says, it's not based on your perfection. It's just something I promised. And in our lifetime, we're going to keep seeing that happen. There's one more thing that has to happen, and we're not sure when it will. And it's the temple being rebuilt. And uh, it's supposed to be rebuilt on Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount, Mount, Mount. But there's an Islamic, the Dome of the Rock there. And so Israel can't rebuild the temple. But in order for all to come to pass that God said about the Antichrist, the temple has to be there. 
So uh, we don't know if it will be rebuilt before the Antichrist is revealed or when he's revealed, he'll allow them to rebuild it. Because the Bible teaches there's a seven-year period. We call it tribulation, but the tribulation doesn't ha happen until halfway through the three-and-a-half-year mark. The first three-and-a-half years, whoever this Antichrist is, some people believe he'll be half Jewish. I don't know. I'm just saying what some people believe. But he'll make peace with Israel and Islam. And he'll be the first one that could do it. And Israel's going to think, this is great. This is awesome. And then three and a half years in, we know this is why we know the temple has to be built. He will go into the temple and he will declare, I am God and you need to worship me. And Daniel and different books in the Old Testament say to the Jewish people, run for the hills when that happens because he's going to begin to try to kill all the Jewish people. So we know the temple has to be rebuilt. And it's amazing. Uh, listen to this. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem has announced that it has finished building an altar suitable for the temple service. This is the temple that will be built in the future. The altar, which took several years to build, can be operational at little more than a moment's notice. So when I was in Israel the last time, there's the Temple Institute, and they had this beautiful display. You see their name and they have different pieces of the temple already made, and they're just waiting for it to be built. And so I get excited because everything God said that will happen, it's right there, overlap, but it's right there. And there's gonna come a day, maybe they'll build that temple before the Antichrist comes, maybe real quick when he comes, I don't know, but it will be built. And everything God said is going to happen. And that's why Israel matters. God made a promise and there's a spiritual battle going on for that nation. In Romans 11, can I encourage you, this just give you some fun homework. This week sometime, read Romans chapter 11. It's about us Christians not being haughty because we've accepted Christ and God kind of blind Israel to Jesus. So it's telling us, hey, you were grafted in, so don't be real haughty, right? And Israel was there first and I'm gonna bring them all back. It's a great chapter. I wanna read a couple verses to you. Romans 11:25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, fellow Christians, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part, that's to seeing Jesus as the Messiah. But listen to this, this is really cool. Until the full number of the Gentiles has come in, that's us. And so God has a number. There's the time of the Gentiles, right? We're in between. And he has a number of how many non-Jews will come to Jesus. And when that number's hit, the father will look at the son, say, go get your church. I believe that's when the rapture will come. It's gonna be an amazing time. And it goes on to read, and in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob or Israel. So when Jesus comes back, every Jewish person alive, the Bible says, and I believe this is after the seven-year tribulation, so he'll pick us up first in the rapture. But every Jewish person alive, remember, they're running for the hills because the Antichrist said, I'm God, and then God begins to pour out his wrath during that last three and a half years. Um, they're gonna see Jesus in his now scarred hands, his feet, the hole in his side, and the Bible teaches, it's, it's, it's in the Old Testament, prophecy after prophecy, every one of them will accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That's a pretty exciting thing. But you know what I noticed in the in-between? A lot more Jewish people are accepting Jesus this day. And so our heart is, man, we want to pray for the Palestinians, uh, Islamic people to come to know Jesus. And we want to pray. The Bible says, pray for the peace 
of Jerusalem. And so we're gonna do that. But let me ask you a question. Are you excited that God picked you to live during the most exciting time in history? We're, we're getting ready for the second coming of Jesus. And if you are excited about when we live and what God's doing, can we just give it up? Let's just say, thank you, God. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you understand this, world events don't bother you as much. It's, ah, we're just getting ready, man. We're overlapping, and some great things are going to happen here in the near future. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible, and we all ask, open up our eyes further. Help us understand these biblical truths. Thank you for helping us understand you made a promise to Israel, and it's just coming to pass. And Lord, thank you for helping us recognize where we're at in time. And I pray for everyone listening, Lord. Give us a heart for the lost people in the world, Lord. We pray for a revival to happen in Palestine, in the Islamic nations, and all over the world, God. In our nation, amongst the Islamic people in Detroit and all over our nation, let there be a revival to Christ, Lord God. Use us to have, have that happen. And Lord, we all take a moment, we join our faith together, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We thank you, we understand the covenant you made. And Lord, we just pray for peace and your hand of protection on Israel in the precious holy name of Jesus. And I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna be ministering. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stay in that attitude of prayer. But maybe you're here, maybe in Borman, maybe TCI, maybe online, maybe in this room in Warren, and, and your heart's touched and you can't remember a time in your life where you accepted Christ as your savior, but you're like, man, I believe that he's the Lord and I'm ready to accept him. I can't force that, but God is always working on hearts. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening and you say, I believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe he's the Messiah who always existed. And I'm ready today to call on his name. I wanna invite you to pray with me and just mean it from your heart. The rest of us, can we help them pray right now? Just let's help them. And if you're praying this for the first time, simply mean it. Say this after me, say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin stained and I need a savior. And this day I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God who always existed, who came to the earth, died for my sins and the sins of the entire world. I accept you as my savior and I make a decision today to follow you, amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Still in that attitude of prayer. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you may not have felt anything. You might have, you may not have, but a miracle just happened. God watched all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. God's your father, heaven's your future home. It's really awesome. Something else is happening right now. Also, the Bible teaches if one person on planet earth, think about that, seven billion plus, if one person on planet earth accepts Jesus Christ, that God the Father and God the Son and all of heaven begin to celebrate. So we want to celebrate in Borman, TCI, uh, in Warren and online, we want to celebrate with you if you've accepted Christ. So listen up very closely. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. But can you do us a favor? 
If you accepted Christ as your Savior, can you just raise your hand? Just lift it up, kind of wave it. Our ushers are bringing you a Bible in Borman, TCI here in Warren. And so if you didn't raise your hand and you should have, just kind of wave it. And congratulations to those of you that have prayed. And again, if you haven't and you should have, you said, I did pray, go ahead and lift your hand up. They're bringing you the Bible. For those of you listening online, if you prayed that prayer, we'd like you to text the word believe to the number on the screen and we'll send you a Bible. So we're going to look one more time. Hey, I prayed that prayer, didn't receive my Bible. Should have raised my hand. Borman, TCI, Warren. Hey, just go ahead. Congratulations to those of you that did. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.